The reason we'll never be anything more than friends isn't because of your rules. It's because you have no faith in me. Even now, when I've survived against all odds and bonded not just one dragon, but two, you still think I won't make it. So forgive me, but you're about to be some of the BS that this place cuts away from me. Welcome to Bibliophiles at Home, a book club podcast for introverts. I'm Camilla. And I'm Jennifer. Each episode, we will break down a book using current bestseller lists, Goodreads recommendations, and of course, book talk. At the end of each episode, we will announce our next book so you can read along with us. So grab your favorite beverage, get comfy cozy, and join us as we embark on this reading journey from the comfort of home. Welcome back to another episode of Bibliophiles at Home. I'm Jen. I'm Camilla. And we um, are about to rip our hair out because we've been trying to record this episode for almost two hours. And um, GarageBand just thinks it's funny to rename the mics, split the mics, forget that the mics exist <laughs> every time we turn on the computer. So, yeah. Yeah, it's um it kind of feels like a battle every time we come to record an episode. Mm-hmm. Like I'm starting to like it's it's like um Pavlovian conditioning. Like I turn onto your street and I my heart starts to palpate. <laughs> I'm like, here we go, here we go. Oh, no, <laughs> no I'm just I don't kidding. want you to have that. I'm just kidding. Jen's I think a little bit better with computers than I am, but I'm very stubborn. So I try to figure it out on my own and I don't really like to let Jen help me help me help okay. myself. That's also – I'm also very stubborn, and so it's, I, I sit behind you with, like, my my fists clenched and just wait. And yeah. <laughs> because because I didn't know what I was doing either. I think it was luck to some yeah. extent. Yeah. We work together. We're here today. Yeah. We're very excited to be deep diving into the fourth wing. That's right. Rebecca Yaros. And what a book, huh? Yeah. I mean, this is like a super popular book. It's sold out everywhere. You and I were shopping over the weekend and we went to a few different places that sold books and we looked for it not not to be found anywhere. No. Yeah. And uh, it's so interesting kind of being aware of this craze and just kind of watching it from a social media standpoint. Yeah. Um, it's so, you know, I grew up in the Harry Potter slash Twilight uh, time period. And I remember vividly uh, you know, we didn't really have social media at the time, but I do remember vividly having those like midnight release parties mm-hmm. and just, I mean, you know, Twilight's no Hemingway, but it was <laughs> beloved and yeah. people were so passionate about it. And I can kind of see that with the fourth wing, but I think social media has really made the naysayers come out of the woodworks, you know, the people that are just like, I don't want to like this book because it's popular. But Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, not everything has to be, you know, a great work of literature um, fr- from that perspective, right? In terms of the the use of language and the way it's written and the use of literary devices, right? Like there's something to be said for just a really great engaging story yeah. told in a simple way. Yeah, it's entertainment. Yeah. It's just a little bit different than binge watching TV. But if this was made into a show, I would binge watch 
binge watch the heck out of it. Right. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Didn't you just post something on your social media recently where you were like, if I saw a dragon in the sky right now, I would be surprised, but not surprised, surprised. Yeah, I feel that. It's yeah. like we went through the whole like the wizards and the vampires. And now it's the season of dragons, which I think also with like Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon, it's just, it just seems like dragons are really in right yeah. now. It's a big part of pop culture right now. Yeah, I like dragons. And I liked this book. I can't wait to do our little deep dive. And before we get started, why don't we do our author's bio? Sure. I'll uh, share a little bit about Rebecca Yaros with you. So our author, Rebecca Yaros, is the USA Today bestselling author of over 15 novels, including The Things We Leave Unfinished and The Last Letter. A, quote, gifted storyteller, according to Kirkus, she is also the recipient of the Colorado Romance Writers Award of Excellence for Eyes Turned Skyward from her Flight and Glory series. Mm. Rebecca loves military heroes and has been blissfully married to hers for over 20 years. She's the mother of six children and is currently surviving the teenage years with three of her four hockey-playing sons. When she's not writing, you can find her at the hockey rink or sneaking in some guitar time while guzzling coffee. We, uh, we love coffee, so we, we love a fellow coffee drinker. Oh, yes. Rebecca and her husband, Jason, adopted their youngest daughter through the foster care system and help others do the same through their nonprofit, One October. She and her family live in Colorado with their stubborn English bulldogs, two feisty chinchillas, and a Maine coon kitten named Artemis, who rules them all. Fourth Wing is the first book in Yaros's Empyrean series. It is a New York Times bestseller, and since its publication on April 5th, 2023, so we're not even three months out yet, wow. it has sold over 111,000 copies, according to Publishers Weekly. So I thought for a cool frame of reference, I looked at a few other titles on that list. So some others are The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which was released in May of 2018. So that's, you know, know, we're looking at what, five years ago? Yeah. And that has sold 446,000 plus copies year to date. And Verity by Colleen Hoover, which was released in October of 2021 and has sold 527,000 plus copies year to date. So when you think about the fact that Fourth Wing has only been on the bookshelves for a couple of months, and I mean, this says April 5th, but I feel like it was really May when it really you could really widely yeah. get it. Um we're already at, you know, a fourth of the sales of this Evelyn Hugo book, which has been out for years, and right? And that's a really popular book. Right. So yeah. that's what I mean is that, like, you know, if this if this momentum is sustained, we're looking at, you know, possibly millions of copies sold. Um, and then the second book in this series, entitled Iron Flame, will be released on November 7th of this year. So, yeah. you know, just a, few, just a few months. Yeah, and yeah. I did see that she had initially said, or so she did do an interview recently, and I really meant to try to read it before doing this episode. I did not have time because I'm a busy mom with kids and dogs and work and you know how that goes. But I did see I'm in one of her Facebook groups. I think she's one of the admins of a Facebook group that exists. And I believe initially this was set to be a duology, but as of now, she has five books planned for the series. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I think initially, and I'm wondering too, if like the popularity had anything to do with that, where she's like, okay, I I think I can make this story. Yeah. You know, I can tell it over five books, which I think is better. I, I'm not a huge fan of duologies, but there are some good ones that I've enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like I always end up wanting more. 
Yeah. And yeah. that makes me wonder too, you know, if we're looking at potentially like five books in this series, are they all going to be from Violet's point of view? Or are we going to see some other characters, <sighs> that sort of thing, you know? Yeah. SJ so. Moss does that in Aquatar. And I don't yeah. know if I love that, but that's a discussion for a different day. Yeah. I'm one that I get really uh, attached to my protagonist. Mm-hmm. So I don't always love to have a different point of view. And actually, I think that will be interesting to talk about in this book, because there was a point of view switch that I felt like was my own one of my only gripes about this book. Yeah. Not that we love gripes. I loved this book. I had so much fun reading this book, and I felt such a book hangover when it was done. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say yeah. that. I, I wouldn't say I felt that. I mean, we can get into that more with the deep dive. But yeah, I um, I did really enjoy it. Yeah, it was a good book. So our main synopsis follows Violet, who has trained her whole life to follow in her father's footsteps to become a scribe. Despite this, her mother, dragon rider and ruthless war leader, General Sorengale, has a different plan. Due to the inevitable challenges Violet faces due to her disability, and much to everyone's surprise, she is able to make it to Bagskiath War College, where she will start her journey to become a feared and respected dragon rider. Her family, history, and fragile nature, however, immediately puts a target on her back. Will she be able to prove to everyone, including herself, that she too can be a dragon rider? Mm -hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. So before we do our deep dive, I do believe we have some trigger warnings that Jen's going to go over. And I believe you're actually reading it right from the source material. Yes, I am. So this is something that Yaros puts in her book um, before you start. So I'm just going to read it straight from her. Fourth Wing is a nonstop thrilling adventure fantasy set in the brutal and competitive world of a military college for dragon riders, which includes elements regarding war, battle, hand-to-hand combat, perilous situations, blood, intense violence, brutal injuries, death, poisoning, graphic language, and sexual activities that are shown on the page. Readers who may be sensitive to these elements, please take note and prepare to enter Basgath War College. Wow, what a mouthful. But yeah, there was a lot of ruthless killing in this book, a little bit Mm -hmm. more than I thought. Yeah, so I mean, I'm going to say right off the bat, you know, here we go, spoilers. That is one thing that I liked about the book that you know, not there, there's, there's losses. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's losses. And sometimes it's not just these sort of, you know, what they would call in Star Trek, the red shirts, right? Like, it's not just these random, oh, I've never seen you before, uh, you know, uh, Ensign Smith, and then boom, yeah, dead, right? Yeah. So yeah, you, you don't know, you just don't know, right, who's, who's going to end up there at the end. Yeah. And I did appreciate that because I think a lot of authors are afraid to kill favorites. Mm-hmm. And it is a big deal when you lose a character that's beloved. And, the you know, that can not always be a popular choice, but sometimes for the right. sake of the story, you have to be willing to right. make those sacrifices, for lack right. of a better term. But I mean, this isn't so far, this is not shaping up to be like a George R.R. R. Martin, you know, you know, not yeah. no, no Ned Stark beheadings. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. It's not always what you expect. Yeah, and I did like that. So I'm going to be honest. I felt like this book could really be, I don't like to say compared, but I do feel like it reminded me of a lot of other stories. And Mm. to me, it almost pulled some of the better things that I liked about other stories that I read that follow similar. So like, this is kind of what I wanted when I started The Poppy War. Okay. So I I don't know if anyone, any of our listeners have read The Poppy War by R.F. Quang. R.F. Kang. R.F. Kang. I'm so sorry if I mispronounced that, which I did. I think it's Kang. It was a great book. It was well written. 
but I wanted more of that like school vibe, but like inter relationship drama, not full right. on like this that, is war. Yeah, that book really rushed through the school part of it. Yeah. And I kind of thought we would have spent a little bit more time in the school. So I loved this book because mm-hmm. that's everything I wanted from the Poppy War. Right. With dragons, which huge fan of dragons. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we, we start our book by meeting our main protagonist. That's Violet. And she's described as being a somewhat fragile person. Um, she has this long hair that pretty much starts brown at the root and then fades to a steely metallic silver. And uh, her mom is like, you should probably cut that. And Violet's like, no, this is the coolest hairdo that you could ever have. Well, I think she even says something about, you know, no matter how short it is, the ends are always silver. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I thought that that was a cool little quirky thing about her. And I I did see in some of the groups that people are like, well, we don't really have a reason for why her hair is like that. But I'm just like, it's magic, baby. We don't always know why, you know. Yeah. But, you know, we kind of understand that Violet, and and it's never really said outright that she has a disability, but it's more or less described as such. And there's a lot of, um, you know, thoughts within the Reddit and or Facebook groups that perhaps she has a certain syndrome, Mm -hmm. if you don't mind telling us what that is. Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which my understanding is that it is a connective tissue disorder. Um, so people yep. who have it tend to have hyper flexibility and instability of their joints, gotcha. um, wh- which is um, how Violet presents. I mean, you know, this is this is a fantasy book, so we're talking about a whole other world from our own. So I don't know that we would say that's what she has, but that is what it seems like. She right. has characteristics of that syndrome. Right. Um, and, you know, her... It so I think I read some things that said she had a childhood illness, but I thought in the beginning her mother was ill when she was pregnant with her, and then that was why they thought she was born a sickly child. Um, so Interesting. I I just find myself thinking there's got to be something more to this, you know, more to her physical um, fragility to her hair. Like I'm just feeling that's going to be a big reveal at some point that it yeah. all it all points to something else is is sort of my thought. She's the chosen one <laughs> in some in some weird way. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I think is yeah. going to happen. Yeah, that makes sense. And I didn't confirm this. Like I didn't actually go to fact check this, but I did see in some of either Reddit or one of the Facebook groups that perhaps. Rebecca Yaros has Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, and so she okay. might have kind of pulled from her own experience. Yeah, um, to kind of, but I think that's cool. I always like a character that has, to, you know, they don't have to be like strength is so it can appear in so many different ways. So mm-hmm. sometimes I think it's so easy to attribute it to like just the physical, but for Violet, she really has this this mental strength and this internal will, and I think those are all such strong qualities to have. And I'm glad that she. Yeah. Well, and that, that comes in later too, right? With the, with the dragons. They, they, we talk, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Yep. Yeah. So when we start off the story, we understand that her father, who was a scribe, has recently died, mm-hmm. and Violet had been training to be a scribe. That was what she planned to do. There's these four quadrants um, within the military. Um, so there are the scribes, the healers, the infantry, and the dragon riders, yep. right? So she all along planned to be a scribe, but her mother insists that she's going to be a writer. She is a writer. She's a general. Um, Violet has two older siblings, her oldest brother, Brannon or Brennan, I'm not sure. Um, He has died at some point after Mm -hmm. he became a writer. Mira is 
she's graduated, right? She's not a third yeah, year. Yeah, she's, she's already graduated. in some kind of, like, not a general, but some kind of, leadership. I think, leadership within. Yeah. Because her signet is that she can build wards. So she ends up being someone that they use, like, as we find out that all these wards are failing, she's being sent over to... To repair them. To right? repair them. Yeah. As, as we So basically, like, this country or this land, Navarre, 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 I guess. I, guess. Yeah. I was kind of saying Navarre in my head. That's another thing, guys, is like, this is a really new book. So I don't even know if Rebecca Yaros has come out with a pronunciation guide. Probably not. We're just going to wing it. Yeah, we're, we're just going to say it. it how we think it ought to be said. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, just as a side note, I think that she's been blown away by how popular this book oh, is. Yeah. Good for her. She, yeah. I'm happy for her. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, but I'm sure over time there will be like those Akatar lists that circulate because everyone's kind of saying something different and there are a lot of different other names and pronunciations that I'm sure right. like every location has a unique name. We're going to yeah. butcher our, every single name during this episode, so yeah. please don't mind us. So so what do you think um, her mother's motivation was for being her become a dragon rider? Do you think it really was nothing more than just, we're dragon riders, you're an embarrassment to me? Or do you think her mother has some knowledge of the fact that Violet is going to have these special abilities, that sh- there's something special about her, and that's why she wants her as a dragon rider? What do you think? I kind of think her mom is testing her. I I felt that, and I did not come up with this theory, and I couldn't even tell you. Like, I saw it on TikTok. I apologize that I'm not calling out the creator of this, um, you know, kind of, what what would we call that? Like, a theory. Yeah. What are words? But her theory is that, so when, so basically for Violet to earn her spot in this school, she has to, her first challenge is to cross this parapet. Right. Which is, like, this very thin stone bridge with, like, no, you know, it's... It, you, a lot of kids fall off. They don't even make right, it past. Right. It's like 18 inches wide or something. Yeah. 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 Your daughter was like, that shouldn't be a big yeah. deal. My 15-year-old like, fif- daughter was like, I could do it. And I was like, sure, sure you could. <laughs> yeah, right. I'd, I'd be dead before my <laughs> before my second step. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, there was a theory that as soon as Violet starts on the parapet, like, the storm starts brewing. And I guess that's her mom's signet is that she can kind of control kind of like storm from X-Men can kind of draw the weather patterns to her, you know, benefit. Mm. And so there was a theory, obviously this is not confirmed in the book. So we, we don't know that this happened, but the theory was, isn't it so interesting that the storm immediately starts once Violet is about to cross the parapet? Could it have been her mom? So that got me thinking that maybe she was testing her to see if maybe her mom does think that she has an extra ability, but maybe her mom is also going to just push her. Maybe her mom was trying to kill her. Maybe her mom was trying to kill her. I know. It doesn't seem like a lot of these parents, you know, as students start to die, like some don't even come to recover the bodies. Yeah. Like they're very. It's almost like it's, and it's hard to know. Is it because they are so devastated or is it like shameful that yeah. their child couldn't make it through? Yeah. It could be a little bit of both, I yeah. suppose. But before we even get onto the parapet, we have this really nice scene with Mira, who's trying to basically talk General Sorengale out of, you know, out of this. Please don't make Violet do this. You know, she's not going to make it. And the general's like, nope, she's got this. 
But in order to help her, Mira kind of gives her this, like, really beautiful dragon scale-like armor. Yeah, and, it's like a vest or something that yeah. she she took the scales from her own dragon and had them somehow magically shrunken down and yeah. then sewn into the vest. Exactly, yep. And, that, um, and then she also gives her some boots that have a little bit more um, traction control so that she has a better chance of crossing the parapet. Right. And in an act, a pretty selfless act... You know, because it kind of seems like you get to the school and it's every man for himself. People do not make friends. They make allies. And those allies are, as long as they're beneficial and not for And I mean, it's longer. even allowed for cadets to kill each other under oh, certain yeah. circumstances. Like, yeah. there are some restrictions, like, during certain activities it's not allowed. You're not allowed to attack someone while they're sleeping. But during your their combat skirmishes, they're allowed to just kill each other. Yeah. They have to earn their spot. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going to be giving, given their spot. But... You know, I think this says a lot about Violet. She sees that the young girl in front of her is probably doesn't have, like, the right shoes to make this crossing. Mm -hmm. And so she is going to, you know, basically share her shoe. They end up exchanging one boot. And she makes her first friend, which is... How do we pronounce that? It's like a... I think it's Rhiannon, because, I mean, it's spelled like Rihanna, but but then it has O-N at the end. Yeah. So Rhiannon or It reminds me of that song by Fleetwood Mac. Or -hmm. is it just Stevie Nicks? Doesn't she have a song, Rhiannon? Well. I don't know. I'm not a big, sorry. Oh. I'm not a big fan of Fleetwood Mac or Steve All right. Well, sorry. well for, I'm sorry. We're not all perfect. But so That's we also, right. We're not because you don't like Taylor Swift. So let's not oh, go, let's not go down that road. Call me out on a podcast <laughs> where people are going to judge me. I, I don't hate Taylor Swift. I, I know. Just, I did. I know. I just said you don't like her and that's why you're wrong. She has some bops. She does have some bops. They're just not my bops. They're not on my playlist. That's okay. But. Back to our story. Um, we end up meeting our first villain, and mm-hmm. that of Jack. Oh, and yeah. he was such a cartoon-like villain. Oh, yeah. I you mean, know what I mean? He was like, there is no chance for redemption. There, He is a static. He is an evil. He, there's no good. Yeah. He's, a, he's a baddie. He's a baddie. Yeah. And we also are kind of worried about this, uh, you know, Mira kind of warns Violet, um, you know, Xander, Rearson. Rearson? <laughs> Rearson. Rearson. Yeah. Um, he is the son of a rebel up, um, captain or general who had caused an uprising that caused, I don't want to say like a civil war. I don't think it got that far, but it caused a lot of civil. It was a rebellion. It was a rebellion. And yeah. and supposedly like this was the event that led to her brother's death, right? Correct. I yeah. mean, I don't, I don't know if it's ever explicitly stated that um, Zayden's father killed Brennan. But it's alluded to that, like, he, it, it was his fault. Yeah. So. Yeah, there was, there was, you know, yeah. both sides took losses, but I think right. it, there is this grudge now, right? Because yeah, because now- then the rebels were executed. The parents were executed and the children were made to watch, right? Yep. So and Zayden saw, saw um, his father murdered. Yep. And then all the kids were conscripted. And made to go in. Yeah. They don't have a choice to be. They they can't choose another quadrant and they have to wear like a relic, like a marking on their body that basically It's like a tattoo that was given by a dragon. Dragon, So you can't get rid of it. Yeah. So we are kind of like worried. And of course, she immediately meets him the second she gets there. It's like she crosses the parapet and he's like watching her feet. So he's like, interesting. Like he notices the boot swap. and the boot. Yeah. But, you know, he he's immediately like described as like. This like gorgeous, yeah. Man. He's and got a scar over his he's eye. He's got a scar over his eye. And I did read somewhere, or maybe I heard it on TikTok, but he, I guess Rebecca Yaros intended for him to be. He's a person of color. 
Oh, okay. So, I, I, you know, I think... That's it, interesting, because in some of the fan art, I don't think he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think it, it's important, like, that that's how she visualized him. Okay. Because there was a little bit of rumblings of, like, how every main lead always gets whitewashed. Hmm. And so Rebecca Yaros came out and said, nope, he's a person of color. So I think that's cool. Yeah. I, I did think that this book had a lot of representation. Yeah. Rhiannon, for sure, also is a person of yes. color. yep. So... And I think, yeah, I loved that about this book. We can get to that a little bit later. But um, so, yeah, we we meet Jack, we meet Xander, and then we meet Dane, who's our the thorn <laughs> in my side. Dane. Dane is, if you've read Akatar, Dane is a Tamlin. Tam, Tam. But he's worse. He's Way so worse. much worse than Tamlin. Because at least Tamlin is, he stinks and he doesn't try to, like, he stinks and that's just how he is. He doesn't pretend yeah. to be a good guy. I feel like. Well, we're going to do A Court of Thorns and Roses at some point. Yeah. We're not going to tell you when, but we're going to do it at some point. So we can go more into Tamlin at that point. But yes, there are some major differences that make Dane worse. Yeah, Dane sucks. But we find out that he's kind of like her childhood friend. His dad is someone high up that works with General Soringale. Yeah, he's a commander or something like that. Yep. So, you know, Mira tells her, stay close to Dane, he will take care of you. And he does end up putting her and Rhiannon in his section mm-hmm. so that he Let's can Let's not forget, too, we need to say, Dane ha- has a very interesting and important signet, which is that he can read recent memories yes. if he puts hands on you. Yes. Supposedly puts hands on your face. Yes. But we, so, that's up for question yes. and debate. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as Violet starts to adapt into her new school, I mean, she's made it through the first challenge, so she has her spot. For right, now. Right. You know, there's a target she, on her back. She kind of had an opportunity there to get rid of Jack in the beginning because she crosses off the parapet first and he's rushing. He was trying to push her off. And he did. We didn't say that he pushed a kid, the kid off who was behind him in line. And then he starts coming for Violet. She just makes it and she has her feet on the floor and he's still on the parapet and she turns on him and has him at knife point And... I don't know if it's Zayden who says it or one of the other um, older students, but says something about like, she's a cadet now because she's got feet on the ground and you're still on the parapet. So it's up to her if she decides to let you basically saying like she could kill you right now and there's no retribution. Yeah. But she lets him cross. So biggest mistake of the book. She just pushed him right then and there. But um, yeah, so he he ends up being just like, I, I just felt that he was such a cartoonish villain all the way throughout. Like he just had this vendetta for she didn't really do anything to aggravate yeah. him at the beginning but i mean certainly as the book goes on i'm glad she defended herself yeah and the whole time well let's not get to, let's we'll he's go just back a to murderous that. bully you yeah know, he's, he's a murderous bully you stink day oh uh, no wait i'm sorry uh, jack, jack. <laughs> yeah <laughs> who's who but um you know so we as violet's kind of adapting she's you know, we find that she's incredibly book smart probably thanks to her you know time being a scribe yep. um but physically she's just not really built for this physical, you know, hand-on-hand combat. and Right. She's constantly, she has to wrap her joints. She, you know, she has a couple of instances of broken bones. And doesn't she end up with, like, a broken arm or something during her first um, mat encounter where she's, like, fighting with someone? Because yeah. Because oh, Dane takes he- her to, Dane takes her to the healer or to, to the bee, to, to, you know, the healer's tent or whatever. And they're going to, quote unquote, mend her, which is like, you know, magically fix her broken bone. And he's like, no, don't. This is how we can get her into the scribe's quadrant. Yeah. The whole time Dane is like trying to find any excuse to get, to her, get her out into of the, the scribe quadrant. But yeah. yeah. So I think it's her first fight with Imogen. 
Imogen. Or Imogen. Oh, is that how you pronounce it? Oh my yeah. gosh. See? Yeah. Uh, Imogen. Im- well, Imogen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I should know that, but... Um, yeah, she gets. Yeah, so we there. It's also worth mentioning that healers are separate than menders. Menders are ones whose signet is it, right, is, right. is that magical healing. Healers are ones that like learn how to use herbs and right. different type of you know medical techniques to heal. So mm-hmm. her brother Brennan Brennan was a mendor men <laughs> a, a mender yeah, <laughs> which means that that was how his, his signet. how his signet um is displayed. So. When she ends up getting settled, she does end up finding Brandon's diary, which we think Mira probably packed for her. And in it, it's kind of like a guide to not dying in Dragon School mm-hmm. 101. And she ends up using that, which I kind of wish we got a little bit more of that. I, we did get those snippets at the beginning of each chapter where it was either quoted from a textbook or, or a his diary. Guide or, yeah. yeah there, I loved that. Yeah. There was even like, I think it's worth mentioning too, you know, we talked a little bit about how um, Zayden has this sort of perceived vendetta against Violet because um, it was her mother who he believes, you know, orchestrated or engineered this idea that the children were going to have to watch their parents be executed. Yeah. But we see something that she had written um, that she that she opposed the decision to force the children to watch the executions. That was at the beginning of one of the chapters. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Wow. Sometimes I this book is worth a reread. I think, mm-hmm. especially before there's the a lot second. Of details. Yeah, there's a lot of details, but um, yeah, that kind of gives us a little bit of insight as to her, the nature of her character and kind of makes it seem like she might be a good guy, and we just don't know it yet. Like we don't really know what the powers at B are just yet, but. We will find out. So Violet finds out by reading Brennan's diary that um, the matches are predetermined and that there is a list. And so Mm -hmm. she uses that information to find out who she's going to be fighting ahead of time, because obviously her weakest um, her weakest part uh, is hand to hand combat. Yeah. In terms of her her weakest ability is hand to hand combat. So she uses that um, and poisons people ahead of time so not poisons them to kill them not even poisons them to permanently injure or sicken them but just enough so that she has the upper hand and can win these matches yeah so she's using her strongest asset which is her brain to kind of you know use her working knowledge of poisons again she's kind of doing it in such a way that she's slipping under the radar and it really isn't super obvious like what's happening right Right. except to xander he's like Zayden. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on? It's okay. Um, the names are, some of the coffee. names are like normal names and some of them are kind of weird. Um, so yeah, it's hard to keep them straight. But yeah, so it's, he, he figures out pretty quickly what she's doing and she does win the first few matches, but then um, she ends up having the timing off on some poison that she gives to a girl. So she's not even able to make it to the match because yeah, she, she can't, can't walk, walk a straight yeah. line. So she gets paired up with someone else. Is it, is it Imogen that she gets paired with? Is that when she gets her butt kicked? Yeah. But at any rate, she and, and Zayden figures it out. And so he tells her, I think it's him who tells her that, um, you know, you're not going to get better if you're not actually having to work hard. Yeah. So. Yep. So he he doesn't seem like he's super mean to her or anything yet. Yeah. It's, it's weird because Dane is like, he's trying to kill you. He's trying to kill you. He's going to kill you. And he doesn't necessarily seem to like her, but he definitely doesn't seem like he's trying to kill her. Yeah, it seems like so. he's just minding his own business, being the wing leader. And I felt like Dane was so annoying all throughout. And and it even becomes so obvious 
to other individuals, like how overprotective he is of her, that it's almost mm-hmm. like he's holding her back from actually being able to live up to her potential, even if she does have this other situation going on. Like he's like nonstop, like, let's get you into the scribe quadrant, let's go. Like we're gonna, f-. and she's like, I can't. If I go, my mom is pulling me back by my hair. Like you don't understand. Right. Like, I'm just here. Yeah, just putting me in that quadrant isn't going to solve anything. She's gonna keep bringing me back. Exactly. Yep. And so we have the a little bit of tension is happening between her and Zayden, but I think that she's more intrigued by him. Yeah, she's definitely physically attracted to him. And that's sort of warring with what she has been told and what she, well, and what she knows of him is really all that she's been told. Exactly. Yep. And then she ends up having the situation where she's like sneaking out at night trying to go out and pick different um, herbs and things that will help her for her poisons. And it's important to say that she grew up in this area due to her mom's position. So she knows her way around. Right. You know, she's been, particularly where the scribes work, like, that's a second home to her. She basically grew up there, so she knows where to get what she needs. And it's on a night where she has snuck out. She's trying to pick some herbs. She ends up climbing a tree because she hears voices. And it ends up being Zayden and all of the rebels' kids, which we find out they're not supposed to be meeting in this capacity. There's never supposed to be more than three of them together. Correct, yep. And it seems like he's really just mentoring them and wanting them to be safe and stay alive, and he's not doing anything evil or bad. And I think Violet's name comes up, and he's like, she's mine to deal with. There's this sort of idea that I think that, um, that at least what they're told, I think, what the students are told, the reason for not wanting more than three of them together is because um, that would insinuate that maybe there was going to be another rebellion mm-hmm. that they were plotting. Yeah. So. But um, we find out that he knows that she's there. He like either sent, like has a fifth or no, a sixth <laughs> How many senses well, are there? Well, again? she for sure has a sixth sense about him. It's mentioned over and over that her scalp prickles. Yeah. I think that's so funny because I know what sensation she's talking about. Yeah. That sort of, it's almost like, it's not necessarily a pleasant thing. It's almost like you're afraid or there's a, it's an eerie sensation yeah. that you have, right? But anytime, even if he's behind her, like she always knows he's there because she fe- has that sensation. Right. So, which is really weird. Yep. And so, you know, she ends up promising, I will not give anyone this secret i will not tell anyone that this is happening but does she basically trade a favor at that point i think did i make that up um well well i don't think there's any favors traded at that point i think because she agrees not to say anything he tells her that he owes her a favor she makes a comment at some point about wanting to trade in her favor and he's like you don't get to pick yeah i get to pick when it's time yep And so, you know, all throughout this time, um, you know, I think in the background and kind of constantly Jack's bullying Violet, he's bullying everyone, Um, multiple deaths are taking place of students, and we end up finding that, um, you know, all's fair in love and war, so pretty much every day they're going to pay their respects and it's just like people are dropping like flies. Um, We end up having a few deaths, particularly around the threshing Uh, But before we get there, uh, we have to, you know, kind of talk about their preparation. So we know that they have these uh, challenges. The gauntlet, right? The gauntlet's the big challenge because that's sort of like how they show that they are physically capable of mounting a dragon, right? Yeah, yeah. So 
it's a big deal. They get, what is it? They get like nine tries or something before their official time is recorded. Yeah. Um, and so Violet goes through this challenge and the very last part of it, which is basically an exercise in how to climb up the dragon's leg to get up yeah. on their back. She cannot do it. Yeah. Um, so she has up until the point of when it's, this is the final, we're going to record your time. You have to finish it or you don't get to do the threshing, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, she still hasn't completed it yeah. until they get to the final one. Yep. And she, they're also learning a lot in their classes about dragons. And there's basically like a list of all the dragons that are currently looking for a rider. And we, we learned a little bit about Tarn, who's one of the oldest and biggest dragons that lost his rider at the same time that Brennan died. Mm-hmm. Brennan. Um, and he's not on the table to take yeah, a new rider. He, he he's not looking. Yeah, he has not offered himself up as willing to bond. Um, I do think we want to say a little bit about the gauntlet. So the way that Violet is finally able to make it through the gauntlet is that she uses her dagger um, because it's the, it's almost this like completely vertical climb at the end. And she uses her dagger to sort of like stab into the side of the wall and then hoist herself up. Yep. Yeah. And um and people that, think she's a cheater because that's challenged, yeah, yeah. by the leader Amber. of the third wing, right? Isn't she's, that Amber? That's like that's, I think that's her like name. She and she and Dane obviously had some sort of a relationship the previous year, yeah. But she's I think the I, I can't remember if she's in third wing or not. Maybe she's a third year. But at any rate, she's not in fourth wing with um with Zayden and uh and Violet. And she challenges it and she cites the rules that anything that you bring into the gauntlet with you is considered a part of your person and so you can use it. Yes. So they they count it as fair. Yeah, they count it as fair. Yeah, I think I was kind of going to like the practices versus like the school that was happening. Oh, sorry, and yeah. Then, no, that's okay. That's totally fine. I think that's a great segue. Uh, it just kind of shows like we're, we're not only are we physically preparing to meet Mm -hmm. the dragons, but we're also mentally preparing to meet the dragons. We're learning about that dragon rider bond that literally is life or death. If your dragon dies, you die. And if you die, your dragon may die. I think that that's a little bit ambiguous at that point because we know know dragons have had other riders. Yeah. I think it depends on how deep the bond goes, like Mm -hmm. the longer you've been with it and uh, been with the dragon has a big part to play. And I think also how your signet uh, manifests can also mm. affect the level of your um, bonding. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like they talk, maybe, maybe that's true. I think the one thing that I took about the signet was that it ha- it's the dragon channeling their power through their rider, but the way it manifests has more to do with the rider yes. and their, um, you know, their internal abilities and their strength and that sort of thing. Right. Yep. You're totally right. I think that that there's a little bit of a room for interpretation there as sure. well. And I'm sure as we get through the books, we'll learn more about that dynamic. But um, yep. So the gauntlet happens. We do lose a couple of beloved characters during the gauntlet. Not that I remember their names because there were so many yeah. of them. But there, there was, was one girl that was like pumped. She's like, I've been training for this all yeah. my life. And Her she name was drops. like Arlen or Aurelie or something like that. I can't remember. I'm sorry. She made she, she rest in peace. She didn't make it. She didn't make <laughs> yeah, it. She was so pumped to be there. And, you know, yeah. she didn't make it. But um, I think that just goes to show that even the people that have been preparing their whole lives, you know, basically trained up as children because they knew they were going to be riders, they're still at risk here. There's, you know, you never know when it's going to be your time. But 
And even before the threshing, there's also the presentation. So where the riders or the hope to be riders go before the dragons, just for the dragons to just look at them and decide, hmm, do I think that you're worthy or not? Yeah. Do I think you're worthy to try to bond with me? Yeah. And they lose a couple of rider of uh, cadets um, during the presentation. Yeah. Prior, who's like super indecisive. I think the dragons are like, mm, no, you're too wishy-washy burn him to a crisp yeah and then luca who is so snotty and won't shut up yeah they fry her too <laughs> yeah that was wild i'm like wow yeah. these dragons got no yeah. chance so that's what i was you know like it's interesting that the dragons can bond so strongly with humans but they're also sort of these like aloof almost a little bit cruel creatures who are like you're not worthy you're out. Yeah, absolutely. And I felt like it was interesting because some of the dragons really liked Violet because of the armor that they could smell Mira's yeah, dragon on. So they were. Her. So yeah. she's at one point like, uh oh, uh oh, they're approaching me because it was almost like you avert your eyes, you do not approach the dragon, you respond right. when the dragon has. And it even varies you. between species, right? Yeah. Because it's like the reds, you do this, the greens, you do this. So that was part of their preparation yeah. as well. Yep. And this whole presentation ends up happening and we find this little elusive gold dragon. Feather tail. This feather tail. Which that- not much is known about them because they they never bond. They're never seen. But for some reason, one of them shows up at the presentation. It's tiny. And so there's question about whether it can even be ridden because yeah. it's so small. Yeah. And so we, we kind of, ha- you know, and the, the kind of running joke is like, gosh, hope that dragon doesn't pick me because... What am I even going to do with it? Yeah. And of course, at that point, I'm like, that dragon is picking Violet. Of I, course. As soon as yeah, I saw that course. dragon, I'm like, no one wants that dragon. I knew it. Yeah. But I didn't know how how that was going to pan out, which I loved the tension in this scene. So let's go right the into threshing. the threshing, if yeah. we can. So we get to the threshing. Basically, you know, it's this basically all the students are dropped in this field and yeah. they have to kind of roam around until a dragon yeah. approaches them. But and, they and can Violet kill each also, other. Yes, they can kill each other. That's what I was going to say is that I'm pretty sure Jack has made it no secret that he plans to try to kill Violet during, during the, the threshing. threshing. Right. And so she has that on her radar while she's trying to find a dragon. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's also important to say that the dragon to available... I'm sorry, the rider to available dragon ratio is right. off. There is way less dragons available to bond than there are cadets. cadets. And like, yeah. for example, we have a second year cadet who didn't get bonded his first year. So he has right. to repeat his whole year and hope that the second threshing, he will be chosen. Right. So there's this whole dynamic yeah. of you don't really have that much you know, choice in the matter if right. a dragon's going to choose you or not. We also want to say the second and third years are watching, but they are not allowed to intervene. Nope. So if they see a dragon's going to hurt somebody, if they see that the cadets are trying to hurt each other, they are not to intervene. Yep. They ha- they're but just they're, but they're watching. Yep. Yeah. And so we end up having this whole um, scenario take place where immediately Jack and his cronies are on the hunt for our little beautiful gold dragon. They feel like it's upon them to kill this dragon like clearly these guys do not understand respect like what i understand is that the dragons are not commanded by humans humans are really commanded by the dragons the dragons have their own hierarchy and they're not at the disposal disposal of the humans to 
make decisions about how they govern themselves. Right, they have their own way of governing. Yeah. And and whatever they decide, it's the dragons who basically condescend, right, to bond with the humans, to work with them. Right. And they ultimately have the final say. Right, right. Because their whole... They want to protect the land because they're concerned of the outside forces that exist beyond the wards, mm-hmm. which totally reminded me of Game of Thrones. It's like the White Walkers <laughs> beyond the wall. Right. There's this like other dynamic of what's happening outside of their land where the right. dra- it's in everyone's best interest for the dragons and the humans to work together and preserve their home. Right. Basically. Right. And so what we're told about that is not a whole lot, but basically that outside of Navarre, there are these other lands that are inhabited by other people, griffin riders. I don't know if there's other riders. I specifically remember the griffins, but that they are constantly wanting into Navarre. And so what we what we really only know about is that it seems like it's sort of like an economic political thing, right? Like yeah. they want our supplies, they are not satisfied with our trade relations or whatever. Right. And I remember, I think I texted you about it, like I said, that just seems like, that seems really not a big enough um, issue to really be having this huge war and constantly fighting. Like, there's got to be something more to it than I want your corn or I want your stone or whatever. Yeah, right. But I think it ends up coming into play with what happens with the rebellion, right? Oh, oh, for sure. So that was an interesting that you were already thinking that. But I mean, at the same time, human nature is to be stingy. Sure, of course. it could have been just that. But you're right. You did call that out, which you actually... I, f- We're I very just felt good like there was guessing. something more going on there, which yeah, there definitely. is. Yeah, definitely. Which but. there is, we'll find out. Right. Uh, so we have Jack and his cronies are going to kill the baby dragon, the baby gold dragon. And so they're just oh, out for blood. Under, yeah, and Jack, under the guise of like, oh, um, well, you know, we can't let that dragon bond with someone. It'll get its rider killed. Yeah. I think he just wants the glory and the experience yeah, of, of killing, killing a, a dragon. dragon. Which is awful, but um, Zayden is on the sidelines with his dragon. Uh, help me pronounce her name. Was it? Sp- it's like Scale, Scale, or Scale. Scale. I'm not. I'm just gonna say Scale, like Scale. Gale with an S. Yeah, Scale. Yeah, but she's known to be like a very large, very vicious she's dragon. A blue. She's. Yeah. It seems like they're well suited for each other and like what we assume to be Zayden's nature. Yeah. But when this interaction happens between Violet and Jack and the killers of this potential dragon. Uh, Zayden can only watch. He cannot intervene, and he sees that they're trying to kill this dragon, and Violet basically self... You know, she's she's ready to self-sacrifice in front of this dragon. She's, like, standing in front of it. Right. She's throwing daggers, trying to yeah. get the other guys out. And as she's, like, talking to the dragon, the dragon, of course, is not talking to her, because we do know that dragons can communicate with humans, but they only communicate with their bonded rider. Yeah, like telepathically. So, right. And so she is um, telling the dragon can't, you know, b- breathe fire at them or fly away or, or scratch them. And she realizes, she says something inside her lets her know this dragon can't breathe fire. She looks at its feet and they don't look like talons. They look like paws. They're like little puppy paws. I know. And so adorable. we don't know for sure at this point that this dragon is a baby, but all signs point to this dragon is a baby. Yeah, this, this dragon is not, is not mature. fully mature. Yeah. yeah. And because there's so, such little known about these dragons, what does a mature one even look like? Like we don't yeah, know. Yeah, they never they're, see hatch. They're elusive. Um, to to the humans and so we end up seeing this like very sacrificial self-sacrificial scene that Violet's like willing to she's basically putting herself out there for this dragon Mm -hmm. and and Zayden does show up and speaks to them yeah he's like not a good idea guys yeah and I think he even Violet notices that it looks like he's gonna step forward but then 
who shows? Well, Violet starts to fight with them, right? Yeah. Like, she actually stabs Jack or hits him in the shoulder with her sword, and he runs off. She fights the other two guys. She kills one, right? Mm, I think she does. Yeah, I think so. At least, yeah. Um, I'm well, trying. Scale feels, uh, kind of appears to be, like, emotionally, like, Protective she's, Protective like, of the little she's one. She's watching this little dragon, like, no way is this happening. Yeah. So, what's the big reveal? Tell us. The big dragon shows up. Cairn. The big black dragon that wasn't willing to bond with anybody shows up. Yep. And he's like, this is not happening, guys. He says, <laughs> he says get in, loser, we're going shopping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he speaks mind to mind with Violet. And um, she's like, what's happening? <laughs> because this is like the biggest dragon anybody's ever seen. He's some sort of special breed, Morningstar tail. And I think maybe there's one other dragon like him that is General Melgren's dragon, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the big general who can see the outcomes of battles. Yep, yep. Um, and so, yeah, he picks Violet. Yep. And, and picks her. He, I don't know if it's at this point that he says it, but he specifically tells her later that, um, you know, she, she keeps talking, lamenting that, like, I'm not strong. I'm weak. I can't do this. Why would you want me? And he says, first of all, the dra- dragon's choices are not up for human, you know, you have no say. You don't understand our ways. Yeah. And he says, if you think that strength is only physical, you're sadly mistaken. Yeah, yeah. He calls her silver one. Yeah, he calls her silver one. And um, he also, it's worth noting that even before they're strongly bonded, he takes such good care of her. Yeah. He won't let her fall. She falls off and he grabs her. Like, we see that another rider falls off their dragon and that's it. They're just not bonded. The dragon was like, you fell off, not worthy. Yeah. Yeah, right. But he is, like, extremely protective of her. He definitely chooses her and then makes the commitment to make it work. Right. Despite the challenges. Right. You know, she's really not built for this, but yeah. he's he's she, all in, right? She can't climb up his leg, and he, he knows somehow that she used her dagger to climb up the gauntlet, and so... She stretch. He stretches his leg out for her so that she can climb up. Which dragons don't condescend to do yeah, that, right? Yeah. Like you climb up, it's on you. Yeah. But he stretches his leg out, and she's like, "I can't believe you're doing this for me." And he's like, "Well, I don't want you stabbing me in the leg with your dagger to climb yeah, up." Yeah. And he's using magic to kind of hold her in place so that yeah. she doesn't fall. So he seems like a stand-up guy. This dragon. He's, yeah. He's committed to her. Yeah. And then the I thought was a big plot twist is that she's not only going to bond to one dragon. Yeah, the little golden one starts talking to her, and she tells her, don't you know you're only supposed to talk to your bonded rider? And the little dragon just looks at her, and when she goes to tell the whoever's recording the name of the dragon you've bonded with, she tells them his name is Taren. And then she hears the little golden one's voice in her head say, and my name is Andarna. And she's so confused, and Taryn's like, "Tell them you have you have two dragons. Yeah. Tell them." And everybody just loses it. Yeah, loses yeah. their collective minds, and yeah. it's like this whole battle. And of course, we should mention that uh, the generals are all here watching this. This right. is like in a, almost like in an arena of sorts. Yeah, that's so, how I pictured it. Yeah, and so it's so funny because Taryn's like. You know, the humans are basically deciding, like, if they're going to allow this to happen. And Taryn's like, this isn't their decision to make. Yeah, the dragons go off and convene. And he's like, whatever they want to do doesn't really matter because it's what we say. Right, right. And we end up finding out that their council is the Empire Empyrean Council is what the dragons Mm, kind of. And they haven't done this in a very long time. Right. this council which is the name of the book series yes. the empyrean yeah the yeah. empyrean yep series so that was awesome 
loved all of that. And then we kind of end up having this like conflict with Dane because we end up finding out, and I don't remember exactly how it pans out here, but uh, Zayden was willing to break the rules to come to Violet's aid. And we kind of get this idea that Dane is right. not willing to break rules to help her. Like if she had not, if, if we find out that Scale, scale, scale. and Taryn are bonded dragons. Right. Well, also don't forget that like Dane, who's like, totally opposed to Violet doing the threshing in the first place. She comes out of it and he's like, they're going to make you choose. You have to choose the little one. And she's like, excuse you? Yeah. Like, you don't get to tell me what I'm going to do. He's like, you have to choose the little one, Violet. You have to. Just do what I say. And then when the dragons come out and it's all agreed upon that she's going to get both dragons, he's like, congratulations, Violet. You have two dragons. And he kisses her and he's like, you have to know how I feel about you. And it's just so that switch was like, what? I, I was just like, that really surprised me that all of a sudden it was almost like he was like, now that she's truly a rider, now that she's special and has two dragons, now I'm going to be like, guess what? I'm in love with you. Yeah, but it was like the most boring kiss in humanity. But then he immediately, yeah. like the next day, like, is like, you know, we can't do this because, and she's hoping that it's like, there was no connection, but he's like, it's against the, the rules. And it's like, this is... It's not even against the rules. It's just discouraged. It's discouraged. But, but we, he's, yeah, yeah, huge rule follower. He's a rule follower to the point where he would be like, I hate to use like such an extreme example, but like one of those people that will do, like, will follow the rules even if it leads them to wickedness. Right. Like oh, I think of the military leaders in our own world history where the, the big guy said, we're doing this terrible thing to humanity but it's like the rule followers that just are like they don't yeah. question it like they're just gonna yeah. and i think she sees that she's it's like you like wouldn't that. have broken the rules to save me are you kidding me we've been friends since we were three years old or you know, i don't really know how yeah. old they were but and zayden kind of calls him out on that too yeah i think that he's yeah now we start to see like this tension happening between zayden and dane because zayden and violet have to be together because their dragons are mated right and they can't be apart they can't be apart but yeah. he also seems to see something in her where he he doesn't seem like he wants her to fail. Right. It kind of seems like Dane wants her to fail for selfish reasons. Like, mm -hmm. I don't understand. I mean, we end up, we'll come full circle to him, but he's just like the worst hype man of all time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we find that he's not willing to break any rules. And she's like, you wouldn't have done anything. I mean, I think the fact that she sees her, you know, quote, unquote, quote, unquote, mortal enemy willing to take that step towards right. her. And she's like, this guy's been my friend since forever. And he's... You know, he just would, he seems like he's going to be a villain. He's yeah. going to end up being that guy. It's the blind loyalty that yeah. you cannot think of questioning the person in authority. You can't question the fact that maybe, you know, yes, there are rules and yes, there's an authority, but what if the authority is corrupt? Right. Then the rules are corrupt. Right, right. So. Yeah, that was, I liked that though. I liked that she, I, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. And it does make him, I think, an even worse villain than Jack. Because oh, for he sure. Because he's righteous. Because, yeah, he absolutely. He's righteous Jack and... was just a baddie, you know, for, you know, to be bad. Yeah. He wasn't operating under some false sense of, yeah. Moral justice. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, so we after this, um, you know, threshing takes place, you know, whoever's not bonded to a dragon is now... Out for blood. Out, out for blood. And, and anyone who is bonded is at risk. And Violet's an easy target because everyone knows that, quote, unquote, 
she is weak and right. she is the weak link. And, and she has this super powerful dragon. Right. And That's so highly coveted yeah. amongst the the cadets that are riderless. And I think at this point, the tensions are up. Yeah. Right. Were you, were, was it when we were all together with Corinne, when I was talking about the, how the cadets who were not bonded, because she was saying to me, like, I don't understand why these unbonded cadets would think, oh, if I kill this dragon's bonded rider, then the dragon will want me because they're bonded. Were you there when we were having this discussion? I don't think so. But okay. I think it is explained in the book that you want to try to kill them early in the bond. Right. Yes. So that they are not too... Yeah. emotionally distraught by the loss of their rider because I think the dragons want a strong rider. Exactly. So if they lose that, before, especially I think before the signet starts to right. manifest, you want to try to get in there quick. Right. That's know. what I was talking to Corinne about. And I said that. And I also said, you know, I also think on the opposite side of that, um, ha- not having been bonded, they don't understand that it is a mutual thing. And yeah. they don't consider the fact that the bond might be strong enough that the dragon then goes after you for killing yeah. their bonded rider. Yeah. I think the people that are willing to kill don't really understand or respect the the hierarchy that dragons hold. What the relationship is yeah. supposed to look like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the people that would m- try to abuse their dragon and then I think probably not have a good relationship. But right. that hasn't been explored too much yet. I'd be interested to see if that can be explored a little bit more. Like what happens when a you know dragon truly has a corrupt rider or... As the series pro- series progresses, if dragons have to make a choice that mm-hmm. doesn't coincide with their rider, what happens then? Right. I think that's going to be a really important, especially yeah. once we get towards the end of this book and we can kind of talk about the bigger conflict that right. I'm sure will take place over the entire series. It just will well, be interesting. I think we, we see a little bit of it, although we don't get insider knowledge with what we're about to talk about with how Violet is a target. And um, there is a an attempt on her life in the middle of the night, which is against the rules, yep. right? Where a bunch of unbonded riders come into the room and attempt to murder her. Mm-hmm. And um, it's Zayden and Taryn who rescue her. Taryn wakes her up with their mental bond, and then Zayden shows up and rescues her. But we find out that that attempt was spearheaded by Amber. Yeah, she's who, the one who was holding out a grudge because of getting through the gauntlet what by what she thought was unfair means. So funny so, how the rules only I know, you right? know, work sometimes. Right. I think that she was jealous. Right. Maybe. Maybe. But but to the effect of, you know, a writer choosing to do something that's against the rules, I think we see a little bit of that there because Zayden brings it before um the school authority. Yep. And Amber is brought forward and um we, you know, the that we're able to know for sure that it really happened through the memories of the dragons the, yep. and um because the dragons can see um amber's dragon can see what happened and he shares it with the other dragons so we see that you know her dragon is bonded to her and doesn't want her to be executed but he recognizes that she has broken the rules and right. this is the punishment right and it's so crazy to me how dane immediately like questions he doesn't, Violet believe, this. He doesn't Violet. believe he's her. like get up there and tell him because it's zayden who brings it up he's like yeah. this is what happened and dane's like there's no way there's no way because she's she is in a position of authority she would never do that that's against the rules and Violet's like, yes. And he wants to touch her to see yeah. her memory. And she he almost goes to touch her without her, without permission. her permission. And yeah. she doesn't want him to because she he'll see uh Zayden's secret that yeah. more than three of them had met. Yep. So yeah, that there we see Dane overstepping. Yep. 
And I think that we should even take us, if we can, just a beat back that when she's being attacked in her room, we see a display of our little dragon's power that she stops time. Yeah, so there's that whole element of like, we don't really know much about what power these this breed of dragons have, these feather tails, and this just crazy thing happens where time stops, which allows her to kind of finagle her way out of the scenario while Zayden gets there to also rescue her. And she does not want Dane to see that because they'll take that dragon from her. Right. To study her. The other thing too about Andarna's power is that um, feather tails, they don't manifest a signet, which is the dragon channeling its power. And then the human manifests it in their own unique way. That power is Andarna's power that Violet is able to use. Mm -hmm. And so it is possible if Violet's not careful, she could drain and kill Andarna by using her power. Or she could burn herself out. Burn herself out. There's that element of like, if you can't control that. And there was another, there was another book that had that same type of burning yourself out. Oh, Throne of Glass. Later on, there's this, this whole idea that if you can't control the power you can burn your you, you run the risk of yeah. burning yourself out. Sorry. There's also, I'm- there's a book series, which I've never read the series, but there is a TV show that goes along with it, The Magicians. Oh, I heard of that. And yeah. so there was this idea that like if you used magic too much or if you used a certain type of magic too intensely, you would burn yourself out. You would basically like separate your soul from your the rest of yourself and become something called a niffin, which oh. was just like this like pure magical being that like had no soul, had no conscience. Oh, this so. I feel like will be very relevant in just a couple chapters in this book. But um, yeah, so we definitely have a lot of tension here. And I think here is where we start to see the slow but steady disintegration of Dane and Violet's friendship. Good riddance with this dude. But, yep. um, you know, at this point, we know that Violet's at risk. Um, Zayden does not want her to die because she, we find out that because of the bond that their dragons hold, anything that happens to Violet will affect Taryn, will yep. affect Scale, will affect him. So they're all like, their lives depend on each other in yeah. a way that's scary yeah. for all of them. Yeah. So he appoints Liam as a bodyguard, who I love Liam. I love Liam. He was a yeah. good character. Um, and so Violet starts training harder than ever. And what I really liked about this is that um, Zayden and his, you know, for lack of a better term, group of rebels, even if they don't love Violet, they respect him enough that they really come alongside her mm-hmm. and do protect her, right? Uh, Imogen is training her. She sees over time that she's getting stronger. She's not having as many injuries. She's definitely developing these skills. So she's starting to carry the weight of being a rider in a different way. Like she's starting mm-hmm. to feel like, hey, I can do this. I'm yeah. a force to be reckoned with. And you know, the, she's not great at riding at this point. A little bit later, we'll see that there are some modifications to be made for her. But I think it's important that at this point in the story, too, she has uh, tasks that are assigned to her. And for her, she's going down to the uh, where the, squ- the scribe quadrant is and mm-hmm. doing some kind of like grabbing scrolls and doing some kind of chore, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. Yep. Again, I'm, I kind of keep saying that. But there we get... Um, our character who knew her. She's a deaf person. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool how they're using sign language. But it also felt like I loved how it wasn't... She just showed us that happening. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wait, she signed? I had to kind of go back and read it a couple times. I'm like, oh, they're using sign language with each other. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so cool. I loved yeah. that. My daughter's deaf. So, you know, we're learning sign language as well. So I felt like I loved that. 
Right. I love that. You know, and she did some different, um, she really did a lot of different types of characters, different backgrounds. I know we are not touching on everyone during this uh, particular episode just because there were so many, but I did, yeah. I do feel that she did a really good job of portraying individuals from all walks of life. And I thought that was really cool. But, um, you know, wh- while she's down there, her and Liam end up accidentally seeing a scroll, which shows them that wards are failing, but right. they're not being led, you know, when they're doing their like war games council type of class. Right. Usually, strategy. Strategy. Or yeah. yeah. They, they'll, they'll usually discuss recent things that have happened so that they can kind of like strategically l- learn how to you know, respond to those things, but right. it, they end up finding out that they're not really hearing exactly about everything that's going on. Yeah, they're not being told exactly what's happening or maybe, like, the severity of the issues of the wards failing. Um, so, yeah, um, I think I, I want to bring in just one little thing that is going to come up later. Um, when Violet, back in the very beginning, when she has to go to um, the Dragon Riders Quadrant, she had packed a lot of things to take with her. As a scribe, she loves books. She wanted to bring these very special books. And there was a book from her childhood that was about, uh, that was of fables. Mm-hmm. And she really wanted to bring this book of fables. But um, she, her sister's like, you can't take all this stuff. You're going to fall off the parapet with this huge bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, she, um, if you hear something in the background, it's raining here. That's, I don't know if you can hear it or not. But yeah. But we've been having some serious storms. Um, so anyway... Um, she looks for this book in the library and can't find it. And she's super confused because there should be a copy of every single book that they've ever had in their society. And the in history those, of... In this library. Yeah, and it's right. not there. Um, so that is going to come up again. So I just wanted to put that out there about uh, the Book of Fables. Let's just take a moment. That's nice. I do like the rain. It is nice. We're in our in my library. This is, I think, going to be where we're recording now. But mm-hmm. we do have a few windows in here, so we really can't control the weather. But I'm okay with this. This is like ambiance for me. Right. We have my little oiled, or I don't even know, a candle melter, waxer, oh, light. Oh, yeah, candle and warmer. We're, we're just having a really nice, you know, after how stressful it was recording this morning. I feel Almost like we, two hours. We, yeah, uh, we're not going to go into <laughs> details. But, you know, it was a little stressful this morning, and now we can relax and yep. enjoy this just very relaxed relaxing sound of the rain and we're now going to become just a relaxing podcast for you so part of the war games uh that they they go out and they're being playing basically like a form of capture the flag right yep so the four different wings are against one another and have been given some type of object like a flag or an egg to um to protect or to steal i think they have to protect one and steal the other at the same time okay to win Right. You have to, you know, I think it was like a defense and offense together. Mm-hmm. And in true form, Jack is out for blood. He's, he's trying to kill people. Jack sucks. But yeah. yeah, we're almost done with Jack. Yeah. All along, you know, they've been talking about how signet powers um, need to manifest by a certain period of time, as we were already discussing. Mm-hmm. Bef- because if the signet doesn't manifest, this magic that's being channeled into you is going to burn you out. It's going yep. to kill you. Um, we already know that some signet powers are not compatible with being allowed to exist, right? Yeah, the because, mind reader. Yep. Somebody's power manifests while he's at school and he's clearly able to read everybody's mind and he's panicking and he's speaking aloud people's thoughts. And um, the professor who teaches people how to use their signets just walks right up to him and kills him. He snaps breaks, his breaks neck. Breaks his neck right there in the, <gasps> that in the was courtyard. Unexpected. Yeah, right? Oof. 
So Violet's signet has still not manifested. Mm-hmm. She's starting to become paranoid that she's going to burn out. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of these war games, Jack is um, trying to kill Liam mm-hmm. and very nearly does. And um, Violet um, uses her um, sig- she uses Andarna's power to help slow time to yep. be able to um, recover Liam. And then her signet manifests and she is able to wield lightning and she um, channels a strike of lightning right at this tower that Jack is standing on and there no more Jack. Goodbye, Jack. Yep. And so we find out there hasn't been a lightning wielder for a very long time. Yep. And um, it's a very tremendous power. Yep. It's, you know, it's very exciting Advantageous for, for yeah. war and strategy. Yeah, yep. totally. If you can use it properly. If you can, if a- you yeah, can if you aim can, it. Yeah, if you can wield it yeah. in a, a yeah. very controlled way. Yeah, yeah so that was... A pretty... th- and this is where we see um, where Zayden finally, like, lose it on Dane yeah. because of his treatment of Violet. Yeah, because she basically, after the war games are... Or that particular... The fourth wing wins, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the team lands... I think actually uh, someone says to Violet, like, how did you do that? Because it looked in, she stopped or slowed down time, but to someone else, it looked like she just manifested from one area to the other. She's like, oh, I just, it was really fast. Yeah. (laughs) She kind of gives off like a little excuse, but we know what, you know, that she had used, uh, I think it might be for the last time she uses that power actually to Mm. slow down time because as we find out, once a feather tail. Um, matures, they yeah. lose that initial like. Because we do know power. at this point now that feather tails are babies; they are yeah. immature dragons. Yep. It's this baby and Arna. She is not. At first, they ask Taryn and Skull, Scale, "Is this your hatchling?" And Scale's like, "You think I would let my hatchling bond?" Um, so this is she's an orphan. Yeah, she's an orphan. But Taren, they, they're taking care of her. Yeah, which is so um, sweet. They have like the their little family. Yeah. with the dragons, but yeah, so she ends up, you know, Dane comes to her and even though Violet has killed someone that has like you know basically tried to kill her multiple times like she feels that she's not a killer or at least she didn't think that she was but right she has to make a decision at that point that it's either him or Liam and I'm gonna save Liam and Dane just immediately like she well she's really you know even though Jack was a terrible person and she did it to save Liam she's traumatized because she just killed somebody yeah and so and Dane's like you don't ever have to do it again it's okay and uh, Zayden's like, stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah, stop coddling her. Yeah, she does have to do it again, because if she doesn't use her power, it will burn her out. Right. And um, she needs to learn how to use it. Yeah, and she needs to protect her own, right? right? And so that's, I feel like, just furthermore, just another wedge between Dane and Zayden. And I think after that night, uh, we'll, we have our first coupling <laughs> mm-hmm. between Zayden and Violet, so they... It's like that enemies to lovers, and they don't want to do this, but they do. And I don't think we have to spend too much time there. I know that we had had, like, a close call earlier in the book when um, Scale and Taryn were mating. Because the writers can feel the emotions of their dragons. Yeah, so that kind of... Violet hadn't learned yet how to shut that out. Yeah. But I think there's also, there's a sense of denial, right? Like, Zayden is trying to deny that this is, like, a genuine attraction to her he's like oh it's just the dragons we're just feeling the dragons but they do have an attraction to each other yep they Um, do decide at that point that they're gonna not do that again yeah so their hope is that they won't um we know that that ends up not being true um you know the war games are continuing they end up having this big gala ball where 
basically the main generals come and everyone is dressed up in their, you know, finest leathers and their dress gowns. And the generals really want the rebels' children to be there so that they can put eyes on them, kind of keep them in check. And Zayden refuses to go. So the whole time Violet's like trying to look for him. She has... Liam on her arm, which she doesn't really realize until she's kind of in the party and someone asks, where is Zayden? That she's like, wow, none of the Rebels' kids are here. Like, they... Right. Because it's basically a commemoration of when all the parents are murdered. Right. Well, this is a classic example of rewriting history to fit your own narrative, right? Because the um, the, the the military calls this reunification day. Because yeah. this is the day that there were no more, no more Rebels. We all came back together. Mm-hmm. We're all of one like mind. And the children of the Rebels are like, this is not reunification day. This is the day you slaughtered our parents and conscripted us to service. Yeah, and um, made us watch. Yeah. This is and so great. Liam's the only one there because um, he came to protect her, yeah. but the rest of them don't come because it's sort of a form of protest. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think she really feels for Liam. She's like, I'm so sorry you don't have to be there, be here for this. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm here. I'm mm-hmm. committed. But she ends up trying to get out of there quickly. Someone covers for her, right? Um, it it might have been Rhiannon or I don't remember exactly what happened, but yeah. Yeah, she, get, she ends up getting out of there looking for Zayden. She finds him on the parapet, and she's in a gown trying to cross the parapet to get to him. But she she comments about, like, how easy it is. You know, she's gotten so strong, and her balance has improved so much that walking, it's not scary anymore. Yeah. She feels confident. Yeah. But Zayden's like, what are you doing? Yeah, no, not. Turn around. And I, yeah. I feel like Taryn's in her head, too. Like, turn around. Yeah. Get Something, out of yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, something. But then they end up having their second coupling that night and it's like kind of in between their coupling that a door you know they get a knock on the door and it's like oh my gosh there another ward has come down you have to we have to all we're We're all all the formation yeah and as they're get you know kind of all getting ready to go into service they find out it's their last war game yeah and i do think we should take a uh a step back and just say that when they had won they capture the flag. They actually have the opportunity to go to an outpost and see Mira. Mm-hmm. And they spend some time there. They end up having to leave there dramatically because as they are there, another ward drops and there's an incoming attack. Yeah. Of the mili- the- yeah. They're there to obs- they're at an outpost to observe yeah. how the how military, it'll be for how, them. how it's run. And then they all have to go. Violet and Rhiannon sneak out to go see her family yep. because her sister has just had a baby. Yep. And so they're not supposed to see their families. Yep. They sneak out. Um, and this is also where Mira gives Violet this book, which is going to come into play. She gives yeah, her her fables. copy of the fables. Yeah, yeah. So she gets that back. Yeah. And the big part, the big thing about the fables that comes into play is that there are these mythical, so we think mythical creatures. There's the venom, which supposedly are, um, they're basically like people that have obtained magical elements in a way that wasn't gifted by dragons. They right. like find a way to like they're corrupted by corrupted, magic, yeah. They and then they've t- created wyverns, which are these corruptions of dragons. Yes, their anatomy is slightly different, but they're basically like you were talking about Game of Thrones. It's like the the one of um, Daenerys's dragons that got bitten by a walker or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that, turned. that gets turned. Yep. All right, so we are at this final war games where they all have thought they thought it was an emergency. They've been called down, and uh, they find out they're each going to be sent to various outposts. And then when they get there, they'll find out what their objective is. Yes, and 
here we have a little bit more tension between mm-hmm. Dane and Zayden and Violet. Right. Uh, Zayden basically kind of as the leader of the wing says, all right, we are, this is who I'm taking with me. Right. I'm taking Violet, who was supposed to go with Dane. Right. And, and Zayden has been sent to, um, I think we're going to call it Athbean, Athbean. And um, this is an area where he has um, confided in Violet that he and a couple of the other marked um, cadets had gone off on some sort of rendezvous mission. Yep. Um, We assume that they were AWOL, that they had left without permission. um, And she had come upon them as they were returning. And so he had confided in her, that's where we were. And it's beyond the wards. it's beyond the wards. Mm -hmm. And this is where they're being sent. So it's a little suspect. Like, why would we be, why are we being sent here? Yep. And Violet's supposed to go with Dane, but um, Zayden calls her to come with him. And he, Dane is like, no. You can't take her. She'll you'll get her killed. You'll get her killed. And it's at this moment that Dane Violet says, I'm going with him, and Dane realizes, oh, there, there's something romantic here. Yeah. There He's like, really him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he he lets her go and he's what does he say? I'll miss you. He says, I'll miss you. Yeah. Or, or something. He touches her face. Does he touch her face? He touches at this her point? face, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Yep, he touches her face and he Be- says, I'll because, miss you. Because at this point, I think it was already known, and that's why they were being sent to Athbin. Um, That's why Dane's father had sent him there. Yeah, so, I think so. So maybe touching her face let him know what had gone on between them. Yeah, because then. then maybe he was, that's why he yeah, was maybe like, was really them. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, we, we can t- kind yeah. of go back upon Dane's deception, but we do know that they're being sent to somewhere that's like really off the cuff, really in the middle of nowhere, no ward protections, and they're going to be far out. And I think what he ends up saying... Uh, Zayden, Zayden's reasoning is that my dragon cannot be far they from Taryn for that long. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. Dane's like, miss you. Almost like, goodbye. Yeah, the way, Farewell. He's, the way he says goodbye to her is very strange. Yep. Um, and then so we get there and we immediately upon getting there find out what Zayden's deception is. Right. Which is that he's been selling or trading uh, different materials that would help the Griffins the Griffin Riders. The Griffin Riders. We don't really know exactly what yet. We know that they have another enemy right. that we're going to find out in just a f- couple pages, yeah. I suppose. So the Griffin Riders show up, and it's and at first Violet is like, oh my gosh, we have to defend ourselves. And then it becomes obvious that Zayden knows them. Yeah. And that's where it all starts to unravel that, oh, you know them? Um, what's going on? She yeah. acted a little dramatic, in, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I mean, because the, then it, that is the fracturing of their relationship at that point. Like, she's like, I can no longer trust you. And she, like, carries that through the rest of the book. Yeah. Even though we end up finding out that this is, like, the big spoiler. This is the crux of the climax of this whole series, I think. Yeah. Is that we find out that these mythical creatures that are in her book of fable and it's like those like eerie bedtime stories that kids grow up thinking this is like just a fable yeah, eat your vegetables or the venom will come get you yeah. or whatever we find out that they are truly going from town to town across the wards and killing yeah. and trying to take whatever they can and right. it just seems like there's they're killing just for the pleasure of murder they're right. not i don't i don't think there's anything that they can really well, gain from the humans right well i mean in order for the venom i think to sustain themselves they have to they, they're creatures that now have to have magic they feed on magic oh. right and so they can they basically siphon it from other oh. creatures from the earth 
So they're basically like leaving wasteland in their wake. Yeah, they're like cancerous in order, or in something. order to sustain their power. Yep. So the venom and their wyvern are are what is this um, threat to the entirety of their world, and um, the materials that the wards are made from is the only material that can destroy venom and navare is not and, and I, i'm assuming that material is found only within navare yeah and they are not letting anybody else have it because they're using it to build their wards and yep. so zayden is trading with the griffin riders because they are just at the mercy of these evil creatures. Right. They are they're ruthless, they're murderers. They have it's right. not like you can reason with these people. They are they are they have bloodlust and they're just the epitome right. of evil. And we find out that his dad was trying to bring awareness to this problem. And the whole concept of these rebels was basically them trying to fight the Venon and Navare's like, nope, that's not yeah. a real threat. And basically we find out that the scribes have rewritten history. So we find Basically, out that this yep. power of the scribes is that what they choose yeah. to be history is what history is. And right. with with that comes great responsibility. They have literally rewritten history right. and have eluded or they've excluded this major threat that will come for them all. Right. Totally kept thinking of Game of Thrones with the White Walkers and yeah. Jon Snow's trying to convince everyone. And it's like yeah. no one wants to believe that these like you know, villain, you know, these evil creatures from their bedtime stories are actually real, but we end right. up seeing this really vicious battle and these, these things are not taken down easily. Yeah. Well, and I think one important thing that we didn't touch on that we want to just briefly mention is part of the um, war games before we got to this last one was um, for them to, to find some sort of item that would be integral to um, that to uh, war strategy, right? Or, or that would be most valuable to their enemies. And so they break in to Violet's mother's office and steal a map off the wall. But when they do, they find this dagger there that has some sort of inlay or something. It's like a gemstone, right? Something, yeah. Like a ruby or something? Yeah, and I think, I don't remember, I don't think they take it, but Violet sees it. Perhaps they take it, I can't remember. Point being is that that material is what will kill Venom. Yeah, it's like and the dragon so, glass from Game of Thrones. <laughs> and so it is at this point that Violet realizes that her mother knows. Yeah. Her mother knows about the existence of the Venom and the Wyvern, and obviously because she has this dagger to protect herself from them. And so it's not that her mother is part of that, that she's, it's being hidden from her. She's part of the cover up. Yeah. She's, she's part, part of the conspiracy. Right. And she has one that Zayden made her or had made for her. Right. Right. And yeah. so that is part of the, you know, the, this sort of, um, I think Violet is feeling torn because she wants to, she realizes that Zayden has good intentions, but she can't get over the fact that he's lied to her. Right. But then she finds out her mother's also been lying to her. Right. And so it's like, where does my loyalty lie? What side do I choose type of a thing? Yep. And she ends up getting, so we have our major loss. Right. We lose Liam here. Yes, this battle between His, the these magical evil creatures. Yeah. And the wyverns, I think, take down... Um, the dragon and he dies because his dragon's dying. So right. we kind of see that, like how deep that bond goes. And we kind of see that the um, Venon have the ability to create multiple wyverns. So you can kill one vet, what? Venon. <laughs> Venon, weapon. You kill Venin. the Venon and, and then you kill all the wyvern yeah. that it's created. Yeah. So, I mean, that was just bloody, gruesome, scary, high tense. Loved it. Yeah. Loved every minute of that. Yeah. And of course, 
they had decided to stay. So their objective of that mission is to stay alive. And right. what the big question is, or like how they're being tested is, will they have loyalty to Navare? Because they can escape at this point. They can fly mm-hmm. to the nearest outpost and not get involved in this sacking of between the, the Venom right. and the Griffin riders. But they decide to fight. To fight. And yeah. that in that choice, they cannot go back to Navare. Right. Like they are they're making a choice. They're to rebels now. They're basically. rebels now, basically. Yeah. Yep. And, and so And that's... we also Violet is stabbed by one of the venom, which is there's poison yeah, on the weapon. Dagger. So she's she's being she's been poisoned and um they they are able to defeat the venom, at least to the extent that the the surviving ones leave. Yeah. And then Violet is sort of, you know, half in, half out of consciousness, and this is from her POV. So after this battle, she is sick, she's basically dying, and we through her muddled um point of view hear that Zayden is going to take her somewhere and he's being questioned about his choice to take her there. But he says, no, this is what we have to do. We have to take her here. We have to, this is her only chance of survival. And she blacks out. Yep. And so then when we come back, this is your Ugh, beef. You yeah. don't, we've switched to Zayden's POV. Yeah. We switched to Zayden's POV to get our final last major plot twist. So she wakes up. She is not forgiving of him right now. They're still, she's like, we can work together, but we will not be romantic anymore. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a little much. Forgive him, girl. Like you mm-hmm. just saw the risk. Like you just saw well, what he was lying for. When she like, first come wakes on. up, she she had like she didn't had no memory of what had happened recently yeah. because of the trauma. And then her dragons talk to her in her brain and evidently tell her, "Remember all this stuff that happened." And then she, her like whole affect changes. And yeah. She's like, "Wait a minute, I forgot. I hate you now." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a little bit childish and like immature. Yeah. I would have forgiven him when I knew what the stakes were, like and right. why he couldn't tell her. Right. Like I feel like he was trying to protect. Her, but right. but whatever. here we've got the big reveal, right? She's been mended. Yeah, she had been poisoned, but it's as if nothing had happened other than this slight scar that's almost healed. Yep, she's been mended. She realizes that she is in Aredia, I think yep. is what it's called, which is the old where Zayden is from, and where it's, the was rebellion in ruins, happened, and now it's like being it's in the process of being like slowly rebuilt. Yep. And who and has mended her, Jennifer? Yes, exactly. Because right <laughs> as she right as she was fading into unconsciousness, she thought she heard a familiar voice. And I was like, I know who it is. You called it. I, I know think. who yeah, it is. You did. And, who, and who is it? It's her brother, Brennan. He's not dead. And he is a rebel. And, and, he and then says, we cut. Welcome to the revolution yes. or the rebellion. Or Welcome whatever. to the rebellion, baby. Yep. Cut scene. And so loved that. Did not see oh, that yeah. coming. But I wish that it had been from her point of view. I don't mm. think I needed Zayden's point of view at all because yeah. I wanted the impact of her seeing her brother. Yeah. And like having, I mean, I don't know. Well, at this point, I'm 99% sure I don't think Zayden has ever said the L word. I don't think he's told her he loves her, even though she's told him multiple times. Yeah. And so I wonder if she did it so that we could get the, his perspective to really grasp the intensity of his love for her i didn't need that okay well i'm <laughs> but, just wondering if that no, was her, no, I mean, her reason for making that creative choice i mean it was hey power to her it's her book right it's what yeah. she envisioned but i didn't need that i wanted the impact of her seeing her brother but right i was not seeing that twist i did find it interesting uh being on tiktok after finishing this book was that obviously we know that she's been betrayed by dane she ends up realizing right. that he has been feeding all of her information there's no way Every that Every time would... he touched her. Yeah. And that's how they knew to send Zayden to Athbin. Yeah. Is because 
she knew about Athben, yeah. and when Dane touched her, he then knew and told his dad. Yep, yep. Yeah, and that's so, the one thing I did not recognize. I when that reveal was like, oh my gosh, Dane, because Zayden says something like, "Has Dane touched you since I told you that I went there?" And then she realizes he had. Yeah, and someone reread the entire book on TikTok. I will. I actually did get a name, Kate Foliage in Fiction, on TikTok. Reread the book with that knowledge in mind. And she counted that Dane touches Violet's face nine times throughout the book. He thought better of it twice, so he went to touch her and then pulled back. And then he touched her body 24 times. Mm. So she ends up realizing that she would not be aware that her thoughts were being right. Red. And maybe there's even, I think there, I don't know if it's this TikToker who created the theory or if that was something you said, maybe he doesn't actually need to touch a person's face. Maybe that's just what he's told people so that he could really just touch you anywhere. Right, right. Because yeah. he has like some different type of security clearance. Yeah. He does not care about his friend. I hope he, I hope he gets his comeuppance because he was Mm-mm. such, he, there's and so no- this is, this is the disconnect between Tamlin, right? Is that at least Tamlin, despite all his pettiness, he does care what happens. He does care what happens yeah. in the end, you know? So Dane, I don't think Dane cares. Dane's a jerk. Yeah. We don't like you, Dane. No, he was dirty for that. Mm-hmm. I didn't, yeah, that, that, when I actually thought about how many times he might, might have actually been like using her, mm-hmm. like just no regard for yeah. her as a person. And it's yeah. so, it's so violating yeah. to have someone like go into your brain and like yeah. read your thoughts. I wonder, like, uh, but he, he's a weapon. Whereas the other guy that's mind reading is, can't live with that. Right. Signet. Because you have to touch. Like, I think the idea that like, you can just read anybody's thoughts at any time without having to touch them is too, it's too invasive, right? Yeah. It's too much of a security risk. But I wonder too, I wonder how much of Dane's attitude is something that has developed over his year at the school before Violet was there with the um, discovery of his signet, because he's obviously so important and so valuable because yeah. of it. Is that some sort of, um, you know, pride that has yeah. developed and yeah. that has changed his personality? Yeah, because he does say, like, this place will show you who you really are. Right. Yeah. So now we know we know that Edward Cullen would not have survived in this universe because <laughs> he was reading everyone's minds <laughs> left and right. But, um, right. yeah, there you go. That so was the fourth wing. That's the fourth wing. We probably missed things because this plot never stopped. There was something new on every page. It was just, like, information overload, information overload. Did I love it? I sure did. It was a really good book. It was very entertaining, and I really liked this book, and we could probably just go right into our rating. This episode's going to be so long. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So long. Sorry, guys. I hope you're still with us. Um, Yeah, so I gave this book a four. I gave this book a four as well. It is 4.69 on Goodreads as of today. I think our four-star ratings may have brought it down because wasn't it 4.7 something when we checked it two weeks ago? Maybe. It's our fault. No, I'm sorry, Rebecca. (laughs) No, I mean, I just, I felt like it was such a good book. I loved the plot. I loved everything about it. I loved the characters. It it wasn't a perfect book for me. I didn't cry, so I'm not going to give it a five. There, I didn't like the point of view changeover, so that was something that I kind of, it kind of took me out of it a little bit towards mm. the end. Um, and I do feel like this book really reminds me of a lot of other, like, lores that mm-hmm. exist. Yeah. And so that was a little, like, I didn't mean to, but I kept, like, wanting to compare it. Yeah. And, well, and sometimes I feel like I wonder if the hype can ha- can impact how you 
react to it. Because I wonder if I had not heard anything about it, and I had read it, I wonder if I would have had a stronger reaction. I mean, I liked it. I liked it very much. But when you hear all these people saying things like, oh my gosh, this is the best book I've ever read. It's so amazing. I was thinking about it for days afterwards. And then you read it and I'm like, yeah, it's really good. I can't necessarily say I identify with those things. Like I I haven't been like thinking about it constantly. Um, It's not the best book I've read in recent history, but it's really good. So I just wonder if that, you know, if it raised my expectations too high. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I definitely think once a book is hyped, certainly your expectations are going to be driven by that. But I felt that it was such an enjoyable book that I was okay riding that wave. And again, I felt like having lived through both the Harry Potter craze, the Twilight craze, the Hunger Games. Like, I think we haven't really had a book in the, at least, fantasy genre where everyone's super pumped about a book. And I wouldn't say that Twilight was perfect. I mean, a lot of these books have their... But I think that it's like a world where you can escape to. And that's why I'm a big fantasy reader. I think we were talking about this week. Like, I want to be somewhere other than where I am when I'm reading. I, Mm -hmm. I love that being in a different universe and, like, learning how, I don't know, things are, that I felt like, yeah, I mean, had there been no hype, would I still have enjoyed this book or maybe even more? It's possible, but I think that with books like this, you're going to get both sides of it. It's either people that see no wrong with this book or the people that are going to choose to critique every little thing because it's so popular. Right. Um, I definitely feel like she did pull... I don't want to say maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally, but there were, it reminded me of a lot of other universes, but it was also unique enough where I didn't feel like it was a retelling of something that already exists. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but yeah, I loved it. And, you know, I'm definitely going to read the second book when it comes oh, me out too, for sure. in November. Um, it's already like selling out everywhere for like the pages the pre-order the pre-order and then of course they came out with those sprayed edges and people are literally selling their first edition copy for like 300 bucks on pango so ridiculous which makes me sad i'm danny give it a couple years and i bet you can find one yeah i'll (laughs) wait i'll wait until the whole series done because i would be surprised if she doesn't do something with like a box set in the future and like you know how authors like how many versions exist of throne of glass just with the cover art alone so i'll be interested to see how that pans out but it was a fun book. It was a fun book. I think a solid four is is where I would stay. Um, mm-hmm. It did read a little bit young adult at times, particularly with the dialogue, but mm-hmm. I didn't mind that. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know. Sometimes it's nice because it's really easy to follow. Yeah. You're, yeah. And it wasn't too, like, I wasn't lost in the world building. Right. And I, to me, I do love books where I have to really pay attention to the world building, but sometimes you just want something easy to digest easy to consume, and then we're done. Yep. And that's The Fourth Wing, friends. And I think we can even just go into our next read. Yeah, so this is a departure, uh, complete 180 almost, from uh, fantasy. We are going to be reading The Yellow Wife by Sidiqua Johnson. Yes. This is a historical fiction. Uh, Not a very long book. I think it's under 300 pages. Yep, and it's um, pulled from Goodreads. It's, uh, I'll just read a little snippet. It says, In the tradition of wench and 12 years a slave, this harrowing story follows an enslaved woman forced to barter love and freedom while living in the most infamous slave jail in Virginia. Mm. So this is going to be, I think, a heavy book. I think this is a great book for us to dive into. Um, We want to really be mindful of the authors that we're choosing and making sure that we, you know, are 
not just sticking to one genre or one author or one type of writer. We want to kind of have a little bit of everything in our yep. podcast. So I think this strays from what we've been doing. And I think it's a great opportunity to, you know, I've never read any, any work by this author. I so I'm really either. excited. I am as well. So yeah, that's, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Join us next time when we discuss The Yellow Wife by Sadiqa Johnson. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Bibliophiles at Home. Send us recommendations for books you'd like to hear us review at Bibliophiles at Home at gmail.com. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Camilla. Until next time, happy reading. Send us recommendations for books you'd like to hear us review at Bibliophiles at Home at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Okay, okay, let's try again.